Hello, kids. For our final beaver bite, and yet one more bite, we will once again present this to you uninterrupted. Of course, I will present to you a commercial at the beginning and the end of the program. Please enjoy the show. Thanks, eh? Hey there, Mr. Grizzly. Hey, Mr. Beaver, how you doing? I'm doing really well. Hey, uh, did you get something in the mail lately? Yes, um, Miss V Mysteries. I yeah, I did too. Awesome. Bedside reading. Yes. Um, for those who don't know, the Miss V Mysteries is an LGBTQ plus cozy mystery series written by Delilah Knight. Miss V is 60, trans, and classy, sassy, and a bit smartassy. From her kitten heels to her chic bob, Miss V is a lady through and through. When her late aunt's lawyer is found murdered, and clutching V's favorite Chanel jacket, she is immediately arrested. Can she find the real killer before the local law puts her away for good? Will she be forced to trade 50s rock and roll for jailhouse blues? Do prisons even have a happy hour? Well, none of the ones I've been in. Wait, what? What? There's a story there. No. We'll talk about that after the ad. Miss V and the Letrous Lawyer is the first book in a humorous, cozy mystery series from by ace author Delilah Knight. On sale now wherever ebooks are sold. Paperback copies are also available or call your local library and ask them to get it in. Signed copies available at www.corvidmoonpublishing.com. That's www.corvidmoonpublishing.com. The Miss V Mysteries. You need to be reading it. Well, hello, kids, and welcome to Beaver Bites, still one last bite, the cabinet special. Today, recording day is Tuesday, October 26, 2021, and it has been a very wet day at the Beaver Lodge. I'm your host, the Eager Beaver, and I'm just tickled pink that you have come to sit with us. Of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast's founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com, and we'll have more to be saying about some of them soon. Uh, I was hoping to get a pre-cabinet special episode of the podcast finished before uh, today, but sadly, Mr. Grizzly wasn't at his best, and recording last night was not possible. Therefore, uh, we, I wrote some pre-cabinet thoughts and posted them to uh, the blog page and the Twitter page. And today, fortunately, Mr. Grizzly is here. How are you feeling today? Uh, well, physically better. Physically better. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's, there's more there, but... Um... Yeah, my head's not doing well right now. Okay. We'll not talk about uh, it right now. Let's just let's just move along, plug away. I, I by, by the way, I, I haven't looked at. Uh, I, I've logged out of all uh, social media that I have. Everything I've completely logged out of it Sunday evening. I'm taking a, 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 a at least a seven day digital break because I I need a break. I need mm-hmm. a break. Uh, and yeah, I, I I haven't looked at the news or anything, so I have no idea what's going on in the world. And quite frankly. There's a certain amount of bliss to that because right now I just, I need to clear my head. So I don't know. I don't, 
we're wide open today. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I have no idea who's running in what position. I've completely avoided everything. Oh, great. So this will be news to you. Yes. Well, uh, hopefully uh, I've got news that will make you feel better. So should we, shall we get to it? Please. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. The number one question pundits will be looking to answer is whether the composition of this cabinet signifies that Prime Minister Trudeau would intend to remain at the helm of the party for a fourth consecutive kick at the can. While there have been four-term Prime Ministers in Canada's history, none have won four consecutive elections. Or if he will start preparing his succession. Prime Minister Trudeau is, yes, the leader of Canada, but he is also the leader of the party, and thus he has a duty to make sure that once he goes, that there is some bank, there is some bench strength in the party, and not due to the party what Harper did to his, just basically leave it an empty husk. Now, there's a good case for the PM staying on if this majority minority lasts about 18 to 24 months average. Trudeau will not have been PM for a full decade yet by then. Moreover, one could argue that what with Trump and NAFTA too in his first term and COVID in his second term, Trudeau hasn't yet had a full four years not thwarted by something out of his control to be the prime minister he's dreamed of being. And thus he may wish to hang around. He may actually be considering this his first real term. However, If uh, Trudeau intends to make this minority last a minimum of three years, and he probably could with the combination of this uh, parliament, then he'd be closer to nine full years as prime minister and succession legacy, and therefore maybe more on his mind. Uh, It seems that with his cabinet, he may have given himself both options, uh, one to stay on because there is a good amount of renewal, but he did also keep uh, a good amount of veteran advice. Many will look uh, to see how many new faces will be in cabinet and how many veterans will be out, as we just spoke, to get a sense. Uh, The thinking being that the more veterans uh, that leave the cabinet, uh, the more uh, the desire of the prime minister is to stick around. Some are making the opposite case, of course, the more experience with which he surrounds himself, the more he may be looking to stick around. So, you know, you can read into these tea leaves pretty much whatever you want. Uh, we all know that Christopher Freeland's job and position as Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance are safe. That was made clear very early on. But we need to look at the rest of the cabinet. And my first take, Mr. Grizzly, and you might be very happy with this, is that it seems to be a quite impressive, quite an impressive and potentially very much improved cabinet that allows for delegation. Remember when the Prime Minister was talking in his first term about government by cabinet? Mm-hmm. This might actually allow for more of it and the ability to present more of a team liberal face as many more ministers could be playing very visible roles so the PM can focus on legacy goals if that's his choice. Um, when I compare the what was announced to some of the pre-analysis that I cranked out quickly to post on the blog and Twitter page last night, uh, you know, my first question was what would Trudeau do with his three, four, three most senior ministers? Those would be Lawrence McCauley, Carolyn Bennett, and Mark Garneau. All are over 70, and all have been on the public scene for nearly a solid 20 years. Uh, So, you know, people may be getting tired of their faces a little bit. Well, Mark Garneau's been on the public scene for over 30 years. Yeah, if you consider his career as an astronaut, right? Public, Still a public figure, right? So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, if any three 
members of cabinet that were reelected were would be likely to be elevated to elder statesman status, maybe uh, directed to head a panel or to head a commission, to be given an eventual patronage appointment, patronage appointment or ambassadorship, uh, to make room for fresh faces. If renewal was what was on the PM's mind, it would be these three. We got a bit of a mixed bag. Lawrence McCauley is a sure thing and a steady hand. Right. And he represents PEI when we're talking about regional balance. Um, he's a good fit as Minister of Veterans Affairs and Associate Minister of National Defense. And while he could have been a candidate to be given other duties uh, as an elder statesman, uh, the fact that veterans actually get some continuity for a while is probably not a bad thing. Yeah, I think that's a very good thing. My father being a veteran. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn Bennett, who had a flu, few unflattering media moments near the end of her term, I figured probably would be moved from the Minister of Crown Indigenous Relations file. And she is being moved, but to a very interesting portfolio, which is a new one that the Prime Minister has created, Minister of Mental Health and Addictions and Associate Minister of Health. Well, that, um, that's a good position to create. Yes, the opiate crisis and everything. Well, and, you know, and the, the, there's a mental health crisis going on in this country, largely because of the pandemic and not because of those who were uh, ill with COVID, but because of the social shutdown, the social anxiety, all of the, uh, the, the um, uncertainties. I mean, nothing is certain in life other than death and taxes, right? But... Uh, you know, prior to the pandemic, there were certain things that there were touchstone moments you could always count on. Well, a great number of them completely disappeared. Mm -hmm. That messes with one's mental health. And, mm -hmm. you know, he, he has, I think, well, he would be the very first prime minister in the country to be open about the fact that his mother struggled with mental health. Exactly. Dur during his tenure. I mean, there are other pr uh, prime ministers we found out in the past that a spouse or, uh, you know, a, a sibling or a parent had a problem. That was like decades after they had even passed away. This is the first time any prime minister has ever openly talked about it mm -hmm. as, as somebody who has experienced it directly. First-hand experience. Yeah. And that's a game changer in the sense that, you know what, we're... we're starting to focus on something that, as you know, is very near and dear to my heart because right now the old mental health ain't doing great. Yeah. Well, that's, well, this is one of the reasons why I figured this, uh, this cabinet would make you, uh, happy. Uh, she's a good fit for that, uh, that portfolio as well, because she is a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. Uh, she has acquired some, uh, experience with the indigenous community, which also will be, you know, if we're talking about intersectionality oh, this yes. will fit into this portfolio. And as course, she's an associate minister of health as well. So, you know, Basically, everything that she brings to the table is pretty much put to a good spot there. And she's very compassionate. She's pro-harm reduction, which is great for, you know, for a minister of addictions. He wasn't just throwing darts at a wall. Like, these were strategic. Yeah, yeah. There's some thought in this. Now yeah. we're wondering where did all the time go? We're, see, we're seeing it. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark Garneau does not return. Oh, no. Eh? Yeah. So... One stays in the exact same position. One gets elevated to an elder statement status to handle a big portfolio like mm -hmm. mental health and addictions. And the other person will be sent off to an elder, uh, an appointment. Probably what is rumored is he'll be an ambassador to France uh, oh, okay. because our ambassador has uh, recently ended her term. Um, so those are the three. So we got a bit of a mixed bag. So if you're trying to read the tea leaves, is he coming? Is he going? You got one, one and one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> with the three so you know 
everything people are going to say is pure conjecture. Was, um, was the swearing-in <laughs> ceremony today too? Yes, the ceremony was yeah. today. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, Mark Garneau, uh, from what I've been told, is that uh, a good reason that he wants to go is apparently, from what I've been hearing on TV, is that you know while the prime minister did trust him and he is a solid performer, uh, they're they don't necessarily see eye to eye on absolutely everything. And he, while he's not necessarily the most effective political communicator and doesn't necessarily have, uh, if this is, if the prime minister wants to make this an active, more of an activist portfolio on the international stage, um, he doesn't necessarily have that gumption. Mm-hmm. So, um, so those were the the reasons a bit behind that, but uh, still, you know, still a very dependable uh, performer, and will probably do very well in a, in diplomacy because you know when you come from the space world, you do work in diplomacy, right? Uh, yeah, it, especially when you consider you have to work with a multitude of nations. When you know, ISS and every space shuttle, um, previous space shuttle uh, launch. Mission. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Mission. There was always multiple countries up, involved. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So you know, he's uh, again some thought into it, right? The skills could be where the skills can be better used. Um, and of course, you know, Mark Garneau's seat is in Westmount, which is a safe seat for a by-election. So if somebody needs to be parachuted in, like <clears throat> Mark Carney uh, or something, you never know. I don't think Mr. <laughs> Carney wants to be involved with politics at all. No, I don't think so either. But, you know, you never know who might come along. Yeah, true. Uh, also gone from cabinet are Jim Carr. Um, very, very nice man. He was the minister and special representative for the prairies when uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan got shut out. Uh, but he's, he's, he had been having some health issues as well. So mm-hmm. this allows him uh, time to focus on his health. Uh, he could have been given an elder statesman role uh, because he's very well liked. And, uh, you know, especially in something like a government house leader or something. But, you know. Health comes first. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but a surprise uh, and who is gone is Bardis Chagger, uh, who was the Minister of Diversity, Inclusion, and Youth. Uh, she wasn't flashy, but she seemed to be very solid and dependable. I thought it would have been nice to see what she can do with a slight promotion, maybe at economic development in official languages or infrastructure and communities. Uh, but no, uh, out of cabinet. Hmm. Hmm. Staying in place... Uh, our Omar Al-Gabra, Minister of Transport. He was recently added to the cabinet uh, late in the last session and he gets to stay there. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, got more profile lately given uh, the vaccine uh, passports and all that right. and uh, the federal mandate on trains and planes. So, you know, the, the Minister of Transport recently got more visibility than he usually gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Lemaitre remains as Minister of Justice and Attorney General of Canada. This is a Good thing, because this has become a no-drama department following the departure of St. Jody of Arc. We're happy with him. Uh, Mary Ng remains as the Minister of Small Business, Export Promotion, and International Trade. Now, I wasn't sold on her at the beginning. I Mm -hmm. thought that she was a very, very poor communicator, would just robot repeat media lines. But she seems to be settling in, and she is a very trusted advisor, personally, of the Prime Minister. So on a key economic portfolio of the sort, I can see why she would remain. Well, you know, something to consider, too, is even if she has a very high IQ and a very uh, high EQ, doesn't necessarily make her the best media person in the world, right? And and not right. not everybody is savvy enough to uh, 
even do what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Because people get nerves, you get nervous, maybe a little anxiety in there, and it can be very difficult to do this. So, yeah, you know, I mean, again, she's a trusted advisor, and yeah, I think, yeah, no, I, like you said, she's settled into the position. Yeah, she's grown in the portfolio. Yeah. Uh, François-Philippe Champagne remains as the Minister of Innovation, Science and Industry. Uh, He was briefly Minister of Foreign Affairs. He was a good fit there and he really loved the job. So I thought maybe he would be going back Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, there was a little shuffle that had to happen and people got moved uh, because I think some people left or whatnot, which made that made it so that he left this. So I thought maybe he would be going back. Uh, but uh, François-Philippe Champagne is somebody that may have some leadership aspirations. And as Minister of Innovation, Science and Industry, as we're talking about going green and, you know, building back better, mm-hmm. uh, this is this will be a high uh, profile portfolio and it will uh, go very well uh, within uh, the whole environmental push to go green as well of, uh, of the of the Liberal Party and of the Prime Minister. Uh, Carla Qualtro remains as Minister of Employment, Workforce and Development and Disability Inclusion. Um, she absolutely killed it with managing the COVID benefits. I would think uh, so. Uh, so she deserved both the promotion or a vacation <laughs> to maybe take a portfolio pick, right? with less work. <laughs> yeah, uh, and she could be moved now that some of the support programs are winding down. But uh, I mean, the one good thing about Carla Qualtro is her ability to explain things very, with incredible clarity. And uh, as we don't know how long, uh, you know, whether or not we'll get a fifth or sixth wave or anything of the sort, uh, you know, it's probably good to keep an effective communicator uh where uh, people's livelihoods are concerned. I would think so, yes. I would uh, absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Marie-Claude Bibot remains as the Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food. Um, listen, she's been handling this portfolio for a long time with no major scandals or screw-ups, so why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Diane Le Boutillier, as well as Minister of National Revenue, she is one of the only ministers who's remained in the same portfolio right from the first, ter- first uh, term of uh, Trudeau. Uh, again, not flashy. Uh, she doesn't get much profile because she doesn't speak very much English. Uh, so uh, people, uh, people were, uh, I believe on um, CBC, they were speculating that she may, they don't remember actually her having given an interview in English yet. Uh, <laughs> but she was at the center of a lot of activity as programs got changed during COVID and all things appear to have gone rather smoothly and seamlessly. So I'm not surprised she's staying there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, new faces in cabinet. Uh, we talked about, and there was a lot of people to choose from. There was Pascal Saint-Ange, who was uh, the last person to uh, officially be elected because she was the person waiting in Promissisquoi that uh, the final recount. Mm-hmm. Confirmed that was her. She took the seat from the bloc. Uh, there was Marie-France Lalonde, who's a or, uh, MP from Orleans in the Ottawa area, who was an MPP provincially. Uh, people were wondering about Adam Vancouverden because he's been performing very well. Uh, Randy Boissonneau, who was uh, one of the two MPs uh, selected from Alberta because George Chahal kind of eliminated him, himself by, you know, taking stuff out of people's mailboxes. <laughs> there was uh, Patricia Latanzio in, uh, in the Montreal area. Uh, Jenica Atwin, maybe, mm-hmm. could have gotten a promotion. Uh, Anita Vandenbeld, also in the Ottawa area, a very dependable person. She's often sent on TV to talk. Uh, Anthony House father. What's her writing again? A, um, can't remember, but she's she's, she's in Ottawa writing. Yeah. Ottawa just, again, maybe? Yeah, maybe. maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, 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 could, I see her face. I see her yeah. name. 
I can't think of her writing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anthony Housefather, who uh, managed some committees, uh, some committees very well early on in the session. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie Dursowicz, Ikra Khalid, Marcy Ian, uh, who was the former host of Canada AM and who uh, defeated um, uh, Anime Paul and in I've Toronto had a crush Center. on Marcy Ian for decades. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Turnbull, uh, who uh, has an incredible Twitter game, by the way, probably the, one of the MPs with the best Twitter games. Uh, Sean Fraser, very well-loved uh, MP from Nova Scotia, uh, who almost like there would be a revolt <laughs> from the cabinet if he wasn't promoted somewhere. Uh, Mark Gerritsen from uh, the Kingston area, uh, also a solid performer. Lena Diab uh, and Yasser Nagvi, who uh, also had some... Uh, time at the at the provincial level as a minister yeah he was so a good he was those, a good mpp he was my mpp and now he's my mp yeah and then there's uh, helena jasik who was also a former mpp i believe uh from british columbia ruby sahota and kamal kara so those were some names that were sort of popped up popped up and there was a couple of my own in that mix and uh most of the new faces did come from that bunch actually we kind of narrowed them down really well mm-hmm. Um, so Randy Boissonneau, uh, who's a new face, but not a new face, because he was elected in 2015, and he was the Prime Minister's Special Advisor on LGBTQ2S uh, issues uh, during that term. Well, he comes back as the Minister of Tourism and Associate Minister of Finance, and of course, the Minister for Alberta. Uh, so, you know, Associate Minister of Finance is a good portfolio, and Minister of Tourism, there will be a lot for him to do, given you know, uh, tourism and the arts sector and have been uh, singled out uh, for getting uh, more uh, extended funding uh, under the COVID provisions. Uh, Sean Fraser did get uh, his elevation to cabinet as Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship, which he takes from Marco Mendocino. Mark Holland, who was the whip, uh, officially gets elevated to the leader of government in the House of Commons. And this is also, uh, you know, somebody who's been with, with the party for a long time. He, he was a spokesperson on TV for the longest time before he actually joined politics and a good reward and well-deserved. Uh, this one was a total surprise. Goody Hutchings, the Minister of Rural and Economic Development. She's from Newfoundland, from a rural riding. Uh, and because uh, Scott Sims lost his uh, in Newfoundland, also rural riding, you may remember him. He was a newscaster on the, the Weather Network, meteorologist, I should say, on the Weather Network. He lost his seat. Uh, so, and I believe we'd spoken uh, in the previous episode how, you know, the road to a majority might pass through rural Canada now, not so much Quebec and that the liberal need to give more attention to rural uh, you know rural Canada in order to have a rural strategy so here um, Minister of Rural Economic Development uh, basically what this government has done is uh, taken the economic development portfolio and separated it into regions like we used to have back in the day. But there have been more targeted regions, so not just Ontario, but Southern Ontario, not just Quebec, but you know the regions of Quebec. So this is specifically rural and economic development. Uh, apparently, she's somebody who's no nonsense and gets stuff done. Hmm. So the rural part was taken, used to be part of... Uh, Minister for Women, Gender Equality, and Rural Development. It was just sort of stuck in there. So now it's taken out and it's given its own uh, its own space. And uh, the Women and Gender Equality part goes to Marcy Ian, uh, along with uh, Minister for Youth, which is a good fit for her, I believe. I think so. She's very, very personable and very engaging. I think uh, she will do well there. And Apparently, she is the first uh, black cabinet minister since Jean Augustine. 
Oh, really? Yeah. It's been a while. Hmm. Yeah. It's um, been a very long we have, time. Yeah. Very long while. Uh, then there's Helena Jasic, uh, who's the minister responsible for the Federal Economic Development Agency for Southern Ontario. So this, this is a new position. Uh, so she's from the Brampton area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it looks like they're, uh, the federal liberals are looking to make sure that they uh, uh, keep their fortress there. Uh, also from the area, Kamal Kara, who becomes the Minister of Seniors, which is interesting because she's a very young lady. Uh, so hopefully some new thinking to how we take care of our seniors. But maybe, you know, because the old way of thinking doesn't seem to have worked very well. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, returning to cabinet, Jeanette Petitpas-Taylor, um, she was for a brief while the Minister of Health, and I didn't particularly like her there. Uh, I thought that she was, again, too scripted, too robot repeated on media lines, and um, had a facade that was the way too much polished politician that really worked in the 80s and 90s, but not so much today because Doesn't we know work. our politicians are human. 21st uh, century, you need to have personality. Yes. You do. Uh, Yeah. But she was given the Minister of Official Languages and the Minister Responsible for the Atlantic Canada Opportunities Agency. And she might be that that might actually be very well tailored for a personality, because even though she does present this facade, I believe that she's a person that's very, very passionate and particularly with official languages. Mm -hmm. And again, this is a file that has a lot more profile uh, now, too, because the government is reviewing its stance on on how, how it will be handling that. Um, and finally, in the new faces, uh, Pascal Saint-Ange, <laughs> as we mentioned, uh, she's now the Minister uh, of Sport. And this is something I like as well, because it, sport has always included with sport and youth and diversity, inclusion, whatnot. Mm-hmm. So sport is now its own Thing. stands alone. Minister Which is of good. Sport. Which is this. good. And nothing else, right? And, though, she's given another thing, which is Minister Responsible for the Economic Development Agency of Canada for Quebec. Right. So the rural areas of Quebec. Okay. Uh, So not the big cities. So one of these things that I like about this is that a lot of the people that are being brought in that are new faces are being given on top of their duty, some economic portfolio, some apprenticeship Mm -hmm. in an economic portfolio so that the bench strength, bench strength of the government. I mean, we start with Christian Freeland. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Uh, then uh, when I tell you who's at the treasury board, that's going to be quite a surprise. Uh, and then you look at who's at environment and at infrastructure and inter, you know, intergovernmental affairs. And when you start to see the economic team, it's very, very solid with a base layer of people in apprentice roles. Hmm. So he's very much preparing the succession and the strength of the party. Um, if we move to the indigenous file, Mark Miller, who was the Minister of Indigenous Services, I thought for sure would stay there. The only place at which he could be better because he is brilliant there was being the Minister of Crown Indigenous Relations. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, he got promoted up. <laughs> so that, is that his new position? He bothered to learn the language. Yeah, you know, that's, right? that should say something. So him too, we got the concept of apprenticeship. He did his you know, first 18 months as Indigenous Services. Carolyn Bennett was sort of the elder statesman. Now she gets moved to addictions and mental health. He gets moved to Crown Indigenous Relationships. So now he will be dealing with stuff like land claims and that kind of stuff. And going to the Indigenous Services is Patty Haydu. Okay. Was the Minister of Health, yeah. who 
did a very good job, sometimes had some communication issues, but again, you know, could have deserved a promotion or a easier portfolio as a vacation as well, because she's had her hands full. You could uh, but say this, that, yeah. I mean, she used to, I believe, run a homeless shelter, I believe, up in Thunder Bay before she became really? uh, a minister. I so didn't she, know that. this is, again, a, a great portfolio for her, right? She's been, she's certainly dealt with the indigenous community living up north. Uh, you know, she's been providing services like housing, uh, harm, again, harm reduction services, that type of stuff. So, and I was wondering, you know, it's like, who would, who in cabinet would be a good one to punch with Mark Miller? Uh, you know, she has that personal touch, uh, working in the community, community-based action, that type of stuff. So they, these two might be a good team. That could very well turn out to be that way, yes. Yeah. So this has been really, this, this file has been shored up and, you know, it's been needing some shoring up. Well, you know, from what, what, you're, what you're discussing or, dis, or, or talking to me about it, it makes me believe that a lot of thought went into this cabinet. A lot of thought. Like a lot, like they spent some time putting this together. I think, uh, yeah, um, kudos. The skills of the people are actually going to where they'd best be served. Agreed. And the third person in this is Dan Vandal. The minister of former minister of Northern Affairs, uh, who is Metis. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, you know, he was a good fit in that portfolio, but deserving of a promotion and a promotion he got. Now he's minister of Northern Affairs and the minister responsible for both Prairie's economic development and the Canadian Northern, Northern Economic Development Agency. Oh, wow. Two economic portfolios to go along. He's so, going to have his hands full. Yeah, but all three together, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Economic development in the north, Northern Fairs, Crown Service. This looks like a good trio. They could work very well together. Time will tell, but I, I but fingers crossed. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Now, the same happens on the environment file. Uh, there was a rumor, and I wasn't very happy about it, that Jonathan Wilkinson, who has been an incredibly good minister of the environment, was going to be moved mm -hmm. out of it, and that Stephen Gilbo, who pretty much dropped the ball and screwed the pooch on C10. People in Quebec loved it, but he was not able to sell it to the rest of the country. And then he did that really lame attack, mm -hmm. personal attack to try to get him. So in my opinion, he did not deserve this promotion because he's a former uh, member of the Green Party of Quebec and environmental activism is his thing. Mm -hmm. This is the file he wanted the first time he didn't get it. He was given heritage, right? Uh, but he screwed it up. Mm -hmm. But the prime minister seems to believe in second chances. And this is something we've seen in this, uh, in this uh, uh, cabinet as well. There's a lot of people that have been brought back who, you know, were in cabinet first and didn't really perform well. There are people that didn't perform well, got demoted and now are getting promoted. Um, so this is a second chance. The prime minister has given Stephen Gilbo a second chance as minister of the environment and climate change. Now, this is a file to which he should be able to speak to with clarity because this is his domain, unlike C10 which he screwed up. Uh, but this is sending a sign. I mean, Alberta and Saskatchewan are going to yell because this is sending a sign that the prime minister intends to get very, very serious because Gilbo was very much of an active activist and a little more belligerent and mm. confrontational. Jonathan should be interesting. That should be interesting the first time he has to run, aground, run, run across Jason Kenney. Yeah. Now, Jonathan Wilkinson moves to natural resources. So after laying all the groundwork for the environment, creating the accountability framework, you know, making sure that the second, the rise of the carbon tax goes through and that, you know, we're on a track mm -hmm. to meet our 2030 goals. Now he's going to be moving to natural resources. He's not very happy about this, but 
this does give him the chance to use. He comes from the business world, right? He right. Kind of, he's a clean tech guy. So he will do a good job there. One, two, they could be a very strong punch if uh, Gilbo can actually live up mm-hmm. to expectations on this particular file. Uh, and then when you add it uh, to, again, to François-Philippe Champagne at Science Innovation uh, and Industry and a couple of other people uh, like Joyce Murray, who was the Minister of Digital Government, this does not exist anymore. It's being folded back into Treasury Board. She's dependable, not very visible. She was. Uh, she did run for the leadership of the party once. Uh, well, she's the Minister of Fisheries of Oceans and Canadian Coast Guard now. Mm-hmm. So they moved that from East Coast to West Coast. Uh, and this will uh, this will be a position that has some profile and uh, now and someone that needs someone that who's serious and she's definitely serious. So hopefully she'll be able to clean up uh, the file a little bit, uh, particularly with the relationships with the indigenous community. Pardon? She's got her work cut out for her. She does. She does. Not, I don't uh-huh. envy her one bit. That that's uh, that's a tough file, and there's going to be a lot of muckraking and um, uh, fecal slinging. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Now, Seamus O'Regan, he moves from national, uh, from Minister of Natural Resources to Minister of Labor. Uh, he's one of the Prime Minister's most trusted friends as well uh, and advisors. But I don't know what to make of this position, this move. I don't know if it was just, you know, sort of what was left. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there are some big plans on labor. I know that there's the 10-day sick leave thing that will have to be negotiated with provinces, but I don't know if there are any other pushes, so I'm... I did learn something today, actually. Yes? I did learn something today, and it's related to labor. Mm -hmm. Um, It's provincial, not federal, but it was a co-worker pulled a text up and he says, oh, this is interesting. I was shocked out of my mind when when I saw this. Uh, two things that the Ontario provincial government has proposed for labor is um, a disconnect law. Yes. So companies that have 25 or more employees, their employees can disconnect completely from work once their working yes. hours have ended. I already do that. I don't answer emails or the phone unless it's the big boss calling and he only calls in an emergency. Any emails that come in after five o'clock, you can wait till tomorrow. You're not paying me right now, so I'm not answering them. So that I was nice to learn about. And uh, they're getting rid of uh, non-competition clauses. Mm, yeah. Which is like, yeah. And, and they, I, he's, most of those never stood a split second in court anyway. Right? Mm-hmm. And they, got th- they got thrown out every time they went to court. But 99% of the working populace is just afraid of the non-competition clause when they read it. Yeah. They think, oh, I, I can't do this. I'll be, and they're like... The, the labor's going like, no, this is wrong. You can't be doing this to people. If they mm-hmm. want to leave to go to a competitor because the competitor's offering them more money, they have every right to do that. Now, intellectual property remains part of the company, and if you bring that over, you can find yourself in hot water. But they can't give you a non-compete clause unless, you know, and they do this for people who are working at, like, a fast food place. Yeah. yeah. Which is, like... What the hell? So I, I get fired from McDonald's or I quit McDonald's and now I can't go work at Burger King? Is that what you're saying? Mm. And that's a lot of what these non, non-competition clauses have in them. 
I, it, I've, I had one in my contract. I put a line through it before I signed it years ago with a company I was working with. I put yeah. a line through a few things. One of them was they said, anything you invent while working for this company becomes property of the company. I said, no, it doesn't. I, I invent it. It's mine. And you try and take it from me and watch what my lawyer will do to you. Number one. And number two, non-competition clause. No, if you treat me poorly, I'm leaving to go somewhere else to get more money. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So, that, I mean, now that they're going to codify this into law in this province, I was shocked to see the, the, the conservative government of Ontario do that. But maybe we can get our 10 paid sick days because I know that's part of Seamus O'Regan's uh, file. Yeah. And uh, people might not think of this so top of mind, but, you know, he was on the news, which means he was on TV, which means he was the member of a union. That's right. So I assume he would be open. I, I hope so. Uh, well, this is a mandate letter I would be interested in seeing. Yes. Because I don't know what's, what, the, what, what this one's about. Um, Dominic LeBlanc uh, has a slightly modified duties. He now becomes the president of the Queen's Privy. Uh, he was the president of the Queen's Privy Council and, for, uh, and the Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs. He's no longer the president of the Queen's Privy Council. That will go to Bill Blair. But he remains the Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs. I mean, he's one of the great diplomats within the government, and he does great work working with the provinces and negotiating with them. But he will take on Catherine McKenna's file of infrastructure and communities. Mm -hmm. So now he's dealing with all governments, municipal and and uh, and provincial territorial, uh, which again should help smooth a lot of things over on uh, the climate change file. Uh, and, you know, transfers of um, funding for these types of programs. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, uh, good to see that he's, uh, able to take on more duties because, uh, he also had, uh, some issues with health, uh, before, uh, if you remember, and, uh, he had to, to quit his position. Uh, he, he was minister of fisheries for a while and had mm -hmm. to quit it and then came back. Uh, so it's, it's good to see that he has a uh, better health and can take on more responsibility. Time for the big changes now. Uh, Patty Haydu is no longer at health. Jean-Yves Duclos, who used to be president of the Treasury Board, is at health. Now, this may seem as a surprise uh, because, you know, he's an economist. What's mm -hmm. an economist doing at health? Uh, but um, Jean-Yves Duclos is an interesting person. He doesn't get a lot of profile, but uh, I actually quite like him and find him quite personal. He's an economist, uh, economist with a heart. Uh, hmm. He likes... Uh, he was very key uh, in making sure that the child care deals uh, get uh, get done as president of the Treasury Board. Okay. Uh, so uh, he might be uh, an interesting fit at health. Yeah, he'll have an opportunity to shine and show another side of his personality there. And if he does have uh, leadership ambitions as the technocratic candidate uh, at health, is a good place to get some profile. Well, we have to remember not every economist uh, was... Uh an automaton robot like Stephen Harper. Uh, he was an economist, right? But yep. uh, didn't, uh, didn't we just have an economist, a Canadian economist, win a Nobel Prize for a paper he wrote about how minimum wage does not, raising the minimum wage does not uh, kill job growth? Yep. So, yep. you know, uh, he, here's a guy who's written something about uh, the less privileged, the underprivileged. I don't like the word underprivileged, but you know what I mean? So those of us yes. who have been less fortunate to find gainful employment, especially in times when everything's going up but people's incomes. So if we can mandate a... And, and people seem to forget that minimum wage was not meant to be the minimum you could pay somebody. 
it was the minimum amount one needed to live on. And the wage that's paid now is not a living wage. It's not. Mm. It's not. You can't, you can't survive on it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a largely uh, a provincial matter, but I think we should get some federal people involved in this. Yeah. Pressure always helps. It does. Another surprise move, Mélanie Jolie moves from Minister of Economic and Development and Official Languages to Global Affairs Canada. She is our now Minister of Foreign Affairs. Ah, oh, gack. Yeah, so uh, global again... Affairs, uh, global Affairs, is, remember? It's Global Affairs. Yeah, global Affairs. So this is, uh, again, she was Minister of Tourism, didn't do very well, got a little bit demoted, did very well. Uh, a known uh, or a very good organizer, uh, you know, ran for the mayor of, uh, run to be mayor of Montreal, which is how mm-hmm. she got on the public scene. Uh, so probably has leadership aspirations. And this is one department where you're not directly under the thumb of the finance minister. So it would give her an opportunity to shine if she intends to run for the leadership at one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also, you know, it, it also is all her. If she falls flat on her face, she falls flat on her face as well so she's given she's being given an opportunity run with uh, it yep hajit sajan the minister of national defense uh now on this one with the most recent rush of news making canadians wonder if there's any man who served in the military between 1980 and 2021 who's not somehow tainted by a sexual misconduct scandal yeah. <laughs> made it such that sajan couldn't possibly stay in this position right if the government would want, wanted to single any serious intent uh, about yeah, handling agreed. this issue agreed yeah. and 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 i like the guy and I think he was a good minister. Um, I mean, a former soldier, well-educated, uh, well-spoken individual. But let's face it, um, with, you know. The, the rush of stories, though, just goes to prove that one minister can't do anything. Ministers come and go. Chiefs of defense mm-hmm. staff stay like this. And then there's this big wall of silence. Oh, yes. All you have to do is outweigh. So there's only so much can do. But there was talk about Minister Qualtro or Minister Anand going here because they had both done very well. Well, Minister Anand did such a good job at procurement, procurement <laughs> that she gets the crap job here <laughs> of trying to clean up the military. Uh, but you know military what, though? involves lots of procurement. So I, I, I'm, I'm one to, in, inclined to think, now this is, I'm just learning this now, but I'm inclined to think she probably wanted that position more than you think. Probably. On the surface, right? Because she, what, look what she did. Right. Look, look at her track record yep. and the military is about a lot of procurement, like you say. So, yeah, I think she wants to get in there, do a great job, clean things up as much as she possibly can. Right. I mean, again, a minister yep. only has so much power they can do. They're civilians. They're not in the military. So, you know, the rank and file members don't necessarily see the minister of defense the same way they would the CDS. Yeah. So. If the military doesn't want to, it won't. Precisely. Precisely. Right? It doesn't matter who the minister is. It's irrelevant, yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, if she too has leadership aspirations, I mean, we're not talking about her really because she's still relatively new, but mm-hmm. who says? I mean, if she does well here, that'll be like, did well in the first portfolio, did well in the second portfolio. Why the heck not throw your hat yeah. in the ring? Let's see what happens, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Sajan, uh, I doubt the PM would be able to remove him totally from cabinet because optics-wise, optics-wise, that would just single defeat, right? Yes, yes. Uh, so I thought maybe he would go to Veterans Affairs, uh, but then again, you know, that's still too close to the military. Yeah. 
So winding up as Minister of International Development may actually be a good spot for him. Now, clearly, he's not very happy about this. It's a demotion. But considering that his main service with the military, his main tour was in Afghanistan, and a lot of that you know, went from just a counterinsurgency and a military opposite operation to a development operation as well. And given that, you know, it is, you know, in pretty much what we can call a war zone mm-hmm. at the moment, the terrorism, um, you know, uh, and there's going to be a big push from the international community to deliver humanitarian aid. Uh, you know, his expertise might actually turn in, this might be a portfolio in which he might actually be able to shine. I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think he could... Uh... I think he could really shine. Because he's a good man. Yeah, he is. He is a good man. Right. So, I mean, the military, like I said, portion had two aspects to it, and this was one portion. So he might be able to, and, you know, if there's any negotiation and talking to do with warlords, which I assume there will have to be. It Yes. Now that the country it's is run by. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't have a minister to have Mister. Who knows what that's like? Uh, and on top of that, well, he's also the minister of Pacific Economic Development Agency of Canada, so he does have a bit of an economic portfolio to go along with it. Uh, our next uh, person that we're talking about is Karina Gould. Uh, now she had started up uh, started out as the minister of uh, Democratic Reform mm-hmm. up until uh, the, the prime minister decided that uh, you know the whole reform thing was just basically a flaming bag of dog poop that got left on his doorstep. Um, uh, And then she got moved around and, uh, you know, uh, she, uh, she's dependable. Uh, She's solid. Um, You know, she, she would, I think, believe she was probably one of the youngest people to be appointed to cabinet the first time around along with Miriam Monsef. Uh, But she, she speaks with great clarity and great mm-hmm. passion on the subjects. She just doesn't get enough visibility. Well, that's going to be uh, changed because uh, she's now the Minister of Families, Children, and Social Development. So that's a pretty big promotion. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, the portfolio that Ahmad Hussein uh, used to have. And it seems that she would be a very good fit because apparently she is the first cabinet minister to have delivered a child while in cabinet in Canadian history. That is a first. And she's the Minister of Families, Children, and Social Development. So probably well-situated for somebody to... uh, She's a working mother. Now, I mean... From the Toronto area with young children. She's she's a very well-paid working mother. Yes. I'm not going to diminish her by saying that because it's a simple fact. But a working mom is still a working mom. Whether you have a lot of money coming in or very little money coming in, you still are a working mom. Yep. And that is a tough job. So having somebody who actually has that lived experience in that role, I think is... And is living uh, it now. Exactly. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Fingers crossed and, and uh, hopeful heart, right? Yeah, Exactly. And like I said, she takes over that portfolio from Ahmad Hussein, and he moves to a new ministry that's been created. He's now the Minister of Housing. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. And with his portfolio, so housing and diversity and inclusion, those two elements used to be in Bardish Chagger's portfolio. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's some discrimination in housing. And, you know, if we're talking about housing in the general sense on and off reserve, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, 
you know, having a minister like Mr. Hussein. It, we're, we're getting into some strange territory here right now because it's, a buddy of mine works for him. <laughs> oh, really? And a, a lady friend I know um, is in charge of a, well, I can't get too, I, I can't get too specific. It's, I'm privy to information and uh, a woman I know is, is uh, uh, working with First Nations Indigenous Affairs when it comes to land and housing and there's, it's a very complex, complicated portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say it's, it's, we're getting into six degrees of Kevin Bacon right about now, or three degrees of Ottawa, as I like to say. <laughs> so, uh, but he's an, he's, he's another very, very nice man. Also, oh, yes. former, uh, also a person that doesn't get much visibility. Uh, and this again, mm-hmm. definitely give him a platform. I mean, housing was the big topic in the first two weeks of the election. Well, I, yeah, I saw a video uh, the other day. It was a TikTok video, and it was this guy in Toronto talking about how, you know, real estate prices in Canada are, are outrageously ridiculous right now. And and mm-hmm. he says, here's an example. He says, in Texas, he goes, I know housing is cheap in Texas, but this is a 46-bedroom home. 46-bedroom home. Okay, it's, it's a monstrous super mansion, right? It's on several acres, it's in Texas, and it's on sale right now for $3.5 million. Now, $3.5 million is a lot of money to you and I. Mm. And then he says, and here's a lovely bungalow in downtown Toronto for sale for $3.5 million. Yeah. Somebody says, well, do the, the conversion from Canadian to American. He goes, no problem. That would be about $4.2 million Canadian dollars if I take the $3.5 million U.S. and convert it over. He says, and here we have a nice little bungalow in the suburbs for $4.2 million. Not a brand new home, not a big home, one level with a two-car garage, mind you, mm. and a nice walkway, but your neighbor's house is about three meters away. Mm-hmm. For four point two million. Meanwhile, in Texas, and again, it's not an apples to apples comparison by any stretch of the imagination. But when housing, you know, a forty six bedroom mansion for four point two million Canadian versus a nice bungalow in the suburbs of Toronto for four point two million. Yeah, I had heard on you know, the news this. I wish I had noted the name of the study or the reports, but they had done this type of report and I think that he had they had evaluated that Toronto and Vancouver were I think the two markets in the entire world that were the most that bankers feared most would be hit by a bubble and mm-hmm. that the bubble would pop it has to uh, it's 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 not sustainable mm-hmm. it's beyond you've got people in London England who are going like you paid how much for that mm-hmm. which has some of the most outrageous real estate prices on earth right but when they look at the Canadian market, they're like, "What? Well, what? What? Hang on a second now." <laughs> yeah, you know. So, send like send. We have you know two problems with housing, right? We have the affordability of houses for first home buyers, and then we just have availability availability of rental housing. Yes, rental housing for you know. So uh, he'll be busy. Oh mm-hmm. yes. Uh, the next person on our list is Pablo Rodriguez. Uh, he was the leader of the government in the House, um, uh, and the Quebec lieutenant. Uh, 
you may not recognize his name because he doesn't have an opportunity to be very visible because he's more of the person behind the scenes that makes sure that things are coordinated well with the other parties. Uh, but if you saw him on TV, you'd see him. He's got uh, he's a silver fox. He's got mm-hmm. uh, you know longer flowing, very very silver hair. Um, I hate him. Very gregarious. Huh? I hate him. <laughs> For those of you listening, I have no hair. None. Like I, I, sh- I shave it because it, it's it's very very thin. So yes, I'm jealous. I hate him because he has long flowing locks. But but it looks good. He has a lovely shaped head. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. I got what we call the statham, which is the five o'clock shadow on the head and on the face. The statham. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so Pablo Rodriguez, uh, but if you see him on TV, you would definitely recognize him. Very gregarious, very friendly, and uh, he's got a portfolio that I'm sure has made him very happy. He is now the Minister of Heritage. Is he? He's from Montreal? Yes, yeah. and he has yeah. to save the C10. He's a n- very good organizer, a natural networker, so Heritage, you know, I mean, there's a lot of public functions and galas and that type mm-hmm. of stuff. Oh, yes. That, that's he'll fit right in there. He'll, he's going to love that. And he's from Quebec. And this will give us a chance to see, you know, the gregarious side of him because, you know, leader of the house, while he was very good at that, you know, it is dry and it's rather all business. And given that, you know, things got a little tense near the end, it was probably natural that they'd switch him out for someone new, especially given that the composition of the parties are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll want to start out with a new, fa- a new face and a new, uh, new session. Um, but yeah, they, he landed somewhere where he where he fit very well, and he might be able to do the same type of work that he did with the parties with uh, various other stakeholders on C10, and might be able to communicate it uh, better or a new version of it better than uh, Minister Guilbeault was able to. Mm. Interesting. Mm. I'm very happy for him for this. Um, next is Bill Blair. Uh, Bill Blair uh, was the Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Preparedness. Mm-hmm. Um, his portfolio has changed a bit. He's still the Minister of Emergency Preparedness, uh, but public safety gets uh, removed from his portfolio. Uh, but the portion of the portfolio that was uh, president of the Queen's Privy Council, that was Dominique Leblanc's, now goes to him. Okay. Yes. And that allows LeBlanc to make room for intergovernmental affairs where you can do FedProv relations and relationships with municipalities. So, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know what we can say about more about Bill Blair. I mean, he's pretty much a known quantity. He's mm-hmm. pretty solid and safe and emergency preparedness is his thing. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll do well there. I have no doubt. The public safety portion of it goes to Marco Mendocino, who's also a very reliable performer and pretty much someone that you could put pretty much anywhere. Uh, so like, you know, pretty much like Seamus uh, O'Regan uh, was a dependable f- performer that he could put anywhere as well. I think, you know, there may have been some spots that he needed to fill up. Uh, so, uh, you know, he put two, two reliable players where he had spots left. Uh, but when you put emergency preparedness and public safety together uh, and immig- immigration refu- refugees and citizenship, anything around the border, <laughs> in yeah. any way possible that you can think of is very well taken care of with Bill Blair, right? Marco Mendocino and Sean Fraser. So the conservatives have, if the conservatives are pointing to the border, you know, they're losing. It, that's a, it's a battle. They can't win. Yeah. So with the, with the, with these three, cause I've been trying to group the people like in portfolios, right? Things relative to the environment, to indigenous affairs. This is relative to the border and safety and safety and security would be these three. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Uh, yeah, Bill, Bill Blair's retired um, uh, police officer, was he not? Yeah, I believe the chief of Toronto Police yes, or something. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Mr. So, Metro. Yes. So, like, this is, we're all going to do well here. And, you know, Mendocino at Public Safety and Sean Fraser, who finally got elevated to cabinet. You know, as I said earlier, they probably would have. Everybody probably in you know the whole caucus was probably going, Sean, 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 Sean. <laughs> waiting for his name. To, <laughs> he's just that well liked. Uh, so yeah, Minister of Immigration, Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship. That will give him a lot of visibility, and uh, he was he's always proven that he could be a good spokesperson, a good defender of public uh, of the you know the government's agenda because he's been often uh, sent uh, on panels to speak for minister when they were not available. Mm. The fill-in uh, fill guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Special teams, clean up, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, now we have Philomena, Ta Philomena Tassi, uh, who mm. was the Minister of Labor. She wasn't very visible there, but, you know, the, again, with the pandemic, there was a lot to do. Uh, and for all intents and purposes, she seems to be rather competent, was rather scandal-free, and we didn't hear much about her. So, I mean, in cabinet often when you don't hear, I mean, you'd like to have visibility, but not hearing about someone is also very good. Mm -hmm. uh, so she moves to public service and procurement to take over from Anita Anand. So this, you know, she'll have to make sure that, uh, you know, things are probably set very well for the first bit, but, you know, we still have, uh, you know, the children's formulations of the vaccines that are going to come through and more boosters. Uh, we're talking about uh, people, for example, with weakened immune systems uh, in the UK. They're thinking that they may need actually a fourth booster mm. because uh, they're older and their immune systems are weaker. So it takes them three to get the real effect of two. Well, they, they've, they've started third booster shots in BC, have they not? Yes, and I believe in Quebec as okay. well. There's two provinces, I believe. Yeah. So uh, she she will have, you know, she will be busy. I mean, you know, the vaccine, if this vaccination thing then, you know, becomes more endemic, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as the Moderna uh, facility gets built here. Uh, you know, So, I mean, there, there are going to be some important things in her portfolio. And uh, there's, there's no reason. I mean, she has big shoes to fill, mm -hmm. obviously. Oh, yes. And, and on gone, but there's absolutely no reason to believe that Tassi, uh, Minister Tassi, would not be up to the task. It's 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 a very a drama free a drama free portfolio is a good portfolio. Indeed, and she had a drama -free portfolio. Very difficult job, though. Um, yes, uh, I mean, and and I'm not just saying that for her alone, but it's just you know, it's a public eye position. the The spotlight is on your private life as well as your professional life. And you are inundated constantly every day. It's like, it's not a job I could do. My mental no. health would not be able to handle it. So, I, I mean, when I see a member of parliament, member of provincial parliament or MLA, whichever the case may be, wherever you live in this country, a great number of the individuals that are there do so because they firmly believe in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then you have megalomaniacs like Jason Kenney. But that's a whole different story altogether. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, when we're talking about uh, economics, well, obviously, you know, a whole bunch of portfolios have 
to do with that, there's a little bit of economics and, you know, science industry and innovation mm. and, you know, and in environment and in natural resources. Uh, but the two big ways, the two big ones are obviously Minister of Finance, which is, you know, Christopher Freeland, who we talked about earlier on. Uh, but the second one is the president of the Treasury Board. And this may come as a surprise to some, but if you're paying attention, not. Uh, and it's Mona Fortier, who is my MP. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, if the name sounds familiar, it Which should. Which it does. I've seen her, but it was not for a good reason. She was the minister of middle class prosperity. Right. And she got a lot of laughs, mm. not because of anything she did, but because of the name right. of the ministry. And nobody knew what middle class prosperity was. Nobody could actually even define what middle class was. Nobody could actually say what she did. Did um, so that ministry no longer exists, <laughs> which makes perfect sense because the minute it was announced, I'm like, okay, who's going to define what middle class is? Mm-hmm. I know most Canadians like to think of themselves as middle class. Most do. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, it's probably the most inclusive term in all of the nation. Yes, <laughs> most people aren't middle class, though. No, I mean it's like I'm not. I'm below yeah. that. I, well, I, I mean, you know, I need another five thousand dollars to hit the middle class cutoff. I ain't there. It depends, right? If you're like, you know, some people like this lower middle class, upper lower middle class, middle class, upper middle class. Now it's because like a lot of people want to fit in, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not middle class. I'm not gonna. No, I'm, I'm five five grand shy of that. Yeah. So, Mona Forte uh, is a tireless organizer, an incredible networker. Um, she could have been promoted anywhere. She could have been promoted to heritage. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, She's a very, very, very active member in the Franco-Ontarian community and has been for a while. So heritage, she could have gone there. Women, gender equality, rural economic development, she could have gone there. She could have been Minister of Diversity, Inclusion, and Youth. She has a personality for all of that. Uh, but she's president of the treasury board because the main reason they made her minister of middle-class prosperity prosperity was for her to be the associate minister of finance under Bill Morneau. Okay. Because Bill Morneau didn't speak very much French and she did. And Bill Morneau was newer to politics and sometimes opened his mouth to only change foot. (laughs) Well, and and I mean, there's a, a, some, some subtle, uh, Irony, I guess, in that Bill Morneau does not parler vous français. Yes. Right. And, of course, Morneau is gone and Forte is still here. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm, so if we're playing the long game. Uh, yeah, so she went from Associate Minister of Finance to President of the Treasury Board, which is big. Mm-hmm. A big, you know, in the hierarchy of the of the ministers. That's so. It seems like a, a huge promotion that would come out of nowhere for a lot of people, but uh, she's actually earned this. Good for her. Yeah, yeah, good for her. And I went to high school with her. Oh, really? Yeah. She's from Ottawa or Montreal yeah. or Ottawa. From Ottawa. Okay. Uh, yeah, and she uh, she's the MP in uh, Ottawa Vanier, Moral Bellagie's uh, um, who was Yeah, right. like I said, she apprenticed under him. So, you know, you know what kind of stock, right? Uh, and again, we're getting into three, de- good people. three degrees of Ottawa. Moral um, Bellanger's uh, was married to my friend's husband's mother. 
Okay. Right? Yeah. I'm like, again, like three degrees of Ottawa. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. my friend, her husband, who is also a friend of mine, I haven't seen them in a while because, well, you know, yes. the whole global pandemic thing. And, and we move in different circles these days. They got, you know, a couple of kids and live out in the suburbs. But yeah, his uh, his mom was married to Morio Belanger. So it's like three degrees of Ottawa, man. It's literally everybody is three degrees apart in this city. I swear to you. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Uh, that's the cabinet. Uh, so there's 39 members, including the prime minister, one shy of the largest cabinet we've ever had. Mm -hmm. I think we had once or twice, which was 40. Um, and you know, like I said, you know, when it, my first take uh, on it, when I heard of it, you know, it seemed like, you know, Trudeau kept on talking about going harder and faster, which of course, again, <laughs> juvenile me made me giggle. Uh, but you're thinking of the four non blondes first and only album title, bigger, harder, faster, more, right? what's going on or, yeah yeah <laughs> what's going on uh so yeah with a lot of potential but uh, you know if again if we think about it on the indigenous file right you know it was like this is a time to go uh it's not the ndp that's going to stop them mm -hmm. that's for sure uh so why not uh you know and so miller becomes crown indigenous patty how you do that has you know great organizational and community-based activism becomes, you know, indig indigenous services person, mm -hmm. you know, like, and today or yesterday she was in an interview and they were asking her about the judgment on the Canadian human rights tribunal case about the young children. And she seemed to be indicating that there's a possibility that that won't be appealed. Oh, really? Yes. So she hasn't confirmed yet, but it seemed to be hinting and Cindy Blackstock seemed to be quite happy with what had been hinted mm -hmm. at. So uh, if that's starting, well, there's an, uh, there's a great debut that kicks off the file on a note. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark Miller uh, in a, in an interview was talking about something uh, actually said the words land back. Really? Yes. So, I mean, these are two big steps. Uh, COP26 is coming right now. So, Gilbo is going, down, going there, uh, as is uh, Minister Wilkinson. Mm -hmm. And uh, last June, uh, Canada doubled uh, its contribution uh, to the fund to help uh, developing countries uh, you know, fight climate change, which is why Mr. Mil Wilkinson had been tapped uh, by the UK to try at the last minute to ele you know, elevate uh, the global commitments to try to reach the $100 billion right. because Canada had impressed the world uh, by doubling its commitment. Um, so again, you know, Gilbo Wilkinson, that's a strong one-two punch that lets people know they're serious. And uh, a self-correction earlier, I said that Gilbo had been associated with the Green Party of Quebec. It's not that it was Greenpeace Quebec, actually. He was one of those people, that, one of the people that had scaled uh, the, mm -hmm. the CN Tower, that big protest uh, many years ago. So um, does he go by Gilbo or Gibo? Uh, that's a good question in French. I, I, I would guess Gilbo, but I'm not sure. Because it, Ottawa Valley, you'll hear it could you'll hear both, well. right? Yeah, yeah, it could be Gibo as well. That's I've, why uh, I asked. I, I don't know. I like. I just you know we strive for accuracy, right? Yes, yes. I I, I would have to listen to a an interview, yeah. yeah, and pick it up. Uh, so yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm impressed. Mm -hmm. I'm impressed. This this could be 
you know, when we're talking about like around the 1963-65 era, I think it was Pearson it was, when a lot of stuff got done in a minority parliament, this could be that potential because the prime minister has the cover of both the bloc and the NDP and both of them pretty much, I mean, the bloc wants to go faster on everything environment. The NDP wants to go faster on everything social. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prime minister can just turn around and look at the conservatives and go, Oh, well, I'm sorry. The NDP made me do it. <laughs> well, I, you know, that's a, you bring up Lester Pearson and I'm like, that's a pretty good point because that minority government achieved a heck of a lot. A lot. Like, um, Special, uh, what was it? It was the the, the flag, national health care. Health care, uh, EI program of, too, did he not? EI program, I believe so. Uh, student loans program, I oh, believe. Oh, yes. Something in the retirement. Like, uh, one of They got a lot done. Or something, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, oh, no, the, the, uh, not multiculturalism, but in, uh, the, the point system for immigration that took the stuff like race and nationality right. out of which was the first system like that in the world. And don't forget, in the meantime, while he was prime minister and he was taking care of all of us Canadians, he also uh, is, is, is solely, well, not solely, but largely responsible for peacekeeping troops, soldiers as peacekeepers, not just peacemakers, right? And, and solving basically the Suez Canal crisis back in what... Now, was he prime minister at the time or was it prior to that? I don't remember. That's a good question. I'm not sure. If I'll have to look it up. But either yeah. way, a minority government that got a ton, ton of things done that we still are reaping the benefits of today. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, I mean, we don't have enough time that's gone by yet. But this prime minister so far, despite the fact that he was hobbled by Trump mm-hmm. and having to negotiate NAFTA and then COVID, um, has been somewhat transformational already. I mean, you know, legal marijuana medical assistance uh, in dying, mm-hmm. uh, transgender rights in the constitution, uh, reducing child poverty by a significant percentage. Massive in, percentage, like millions of people have been lifted out of poverty. Yes. Uh, a reform or refunding of pensions, mm-hmm. uh, childcare deals, uh, a carbon tax. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's history. Well, you know, he has off on a hundred. Like, I mean, he has his detractors, right? And, and, And a great number of them live in Western Canada, where they constantly get parroted the same uh, garbage all the time. And he has his detractors in this part of the country, too. I'm not picking on the West, by the way, I'm not. Um, but a pipeline to Tidewater. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, let's face it in 20 years from now, people are going to look back and go, uh, you know, um, he actually did accomplish. I'm like, yeah, he did accomplish a lot, a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot, it, despite having, like you say, Trump that he had to fight against basically for four years. I have no idea what that sound was <laughs> fight against Trump for four years or battle. I mean, cause every time that idiot turned around, he wanted to level a new tariff, change a trade agreement, you know, and then a global pandemic. And yet he still managed to get, he and his cabinet yes. got these things done. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, the 25,000 Syrian refugees. And uh, other yes. Refugees coming. Like, come on, man. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. You know, it's like, it's, excuse the expression here, but there are people that are getting shit done. Yes. Yes. Under, under really difficult circumstances. And I think, 
if if you start to cite those verifiable, provable, actual facts to people who sit there and, well, we don't need a carbon tax. Oh, okay, so we're just going to, you know, destroy the planet. Well, what good is the carbon tax? We're going to use it to reinvest in clean and green technologies, number one. And number two, it's an incentive for companies to create clean green technologies so that they don't have to pay that tax and as an individual such as myself i just get a rebate at the end of the year so what's it costing me i'm getting money back yeah and i think that that's even going to be switching to quarterly soon because Mm -hmm. the numbers are going up and they don't want people to take too much of a hit yeah like the like the old gst uh, rebate checks we used to get no idea what's doing that Mm -hmm. so I, I, I dare I say I'm excited mm-hmm. and hopeful. Dare I? Yeah, I, you know it's you got to have hope, right? Uh, I'm wired for optimism to start with, but well, dare I? Say? Yes. Well, and, and again, this is a really a, a gender parity and diverse cabinet, so I think it's a better representation of Canadians, right? Yeah, and when we're talking about gender parity, okay. Look at the quality of these women. Look at their background. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let there no longer be a debate about maybe there's not enough qualified women and that yeah, we have okay. to talk about merit. We can, there is enough. The pool of women who are meritous mm-hmm. on their own oh, yes. is large enough in pretty much every domain that we no longer have to worry. The only people complaining about, about that whether are, or not merit will be rewarded. Okay. Well, and again, the only people really complaining about that are a bunch of old white men who are used to failing up. And all of a sudden, that position that they used to fail up to is no longer available because it's been taken by a qualified woman. Who's doing it backwards and in heels. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to say it anymore. Okay, we talked a lot. But I'm hopeful. Hope is good. A lot of work went into this. It shows people are wondering why it took long. This is why it took long. Yeah, they, they really. What the heck? I have no idea what's doing that. I'm not I'm like I'm literally not touching anything. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, be happy. Be hopeful. Uh, Parliament uh, starts on the 22nd of November. But I have the feeling that we are going to be seeing a lot of announcements mm-hmm. uh, before that. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, strap in. <laughs> this 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 one might be fun. This one might be fun, kids. This session of parliament might be very 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 fun. Um, so, uh, have you got any words of wisdom, Mister Grizzly? Well, I mean, you know, as I stated in the, earlier in the show, that I I've basically unplugged from everything for the last few days for my mental health because I'm you know I'm I'm fighting an uphill battle right now. Um, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. It's just, it happens occasionally and, and doing a digital, uh, sabbatical for a few days is I think a very good thing. So all of this is news to me because I literally unplugged from everything. I haven't watched the news. I haven't watched television. I'm binging a, a, a cheesy series on prime right now. <laughs> that's, that's my only visual stimulation right now. So by the way, uh, the kids are sending some love. Oh, awesome. That's nice to hear. Yes, I, I, I had posted a, a little something saying that we, you know, we were a little late because you know you had been feeling a little under the weather, and yes, love has been pouring in. Awesome, that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, thought you should know. 
Thank you. <laughs> well, kids, uh, that's the end of this episode. Uh, we'll be getting back to our more regular format. Uh, but who knows? We might keep on slipping in a few beaver bites because uh, I don't know. I've come to enjoy this format about, you know, just like yeah. logging in and just having a chat. You know, no real script and just flying so, by the seat of our parents. Yeah, so we may slip a few in here and there. Who knows? Right? Never know. It's our show. We get to do what we want. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, Kits, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed the Beaver Bites series over the course of the election. We definitely enjoyed doing it for you. And uh, we welcome feedback, as always, in the form of compliments, bribes to be on our show, constructive criticisms, gentle corrections if we got anything factually incorrect, happy stories of things that have happened to you or your dear ones, because we love sharing in the joy. And uh, we want to know uh, what you're excited about. Uh, when it comes to this new session of Parliament, what policy are you looking for to be implemented first? Uh, you know, uh, uh, what policy is not being talked about that you would like them to talk about? Uh, just let us know what's on your mind. We're curious. You can do all of that on our Facebook blog page, The True North Eager Beaver, or at True Eager on Twitter. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends. They can find us on Google, Spotify, Apple, Mixcloud, and Player FM. Of course, retweets and sharing uh, of the posts on Facebook and on tweets is always very, very appreciated. It really helps to get the word out. And if you really, really like this podcast and encourage us to do more, you want to encourage us to do more, we work for tips. So please feel free to buy a cup of coffee or maybe a shot of whiskey for uh, Mr. Grizzly here. <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, I'm still good with my mug of hot chocolate because you are what you drink. So you can get that at uh, help us at our coffee page. That's ko-fi.com backslash eager beaver. ko-fi.com backslash eager beaver. Eager beaver, all in one word and all in lowercase letters. From the Beaver Lodge, this is your eager beaver and Mr. Grizzly Say, <laughs> Go ahead, go for it. Thanks for coming out, folks. Love to hear from you. <laughs> Until next time, dear kids, it can be a tough world out there, so be kind to and gentle with yourself and come back to us in one piece. We like you that way. <laughs> Indeed. Bye, y'all. The True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Research, story, and guest curation and copy written by The Eager Beaver. Recording, production, editing, and additional research by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. And that beeping, I tell you. <laughs> we'll get that fixed for the next show, kids. Hey, that's, it, it, that's how podcasts get made. Exactly. <laughs> See you next week. Take care. Hello, kids. It's Mr. Grizzly, your friendly neighborhood grizzly bear, who is asking you how much you like this program. And I'm asking you if, well, you like this show, you like what you hear, and we're happy to do this for you. If you'd be willing to, you know, throw us a couple of bucks as a tip. And the reason we do this, the reason we ask this question is because there are some production costs involved. We're happy to give this to you, but, you know, feel free to send us a couple of dollars over uh, coffee.com. And now the website is ko 
dash fi.com backslash eager beaver dollar two dollars fifty cents whatever whatever you can spare it helps us with our production costs mr beaver that's right mr grizzly uh, if you go to our coffee page the recommended donation is three dollars but it can really be anything you want um less or more if you happen to like this show especially um we reinvest uh, in the show. Uh, as you can tell, uh, the sound quality has improved since uh, episode one. And, uh, you know, we want to see where this show can go. Uh, hopefully we can maybe get some correspondence uh, one day, um, maybe film it uh, for YouTube. Uh, if uh, you guys have any suggestions of what you'd like to see the show become, of course, those are always welcome uh, because, you know, we do this for you. Um so yeah, uh, every little bit helps. And of course, if you can't afford anything and you just like the show, then please, you know, that's quite all right. Send us some comments. Let us know what you think of it. Uh, that means just as much to us too. And don't forget the website, www.ko-fi.com backslash eager beaver. Thanks, eh? The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.